You got the chill. The chill, chill, chill. Everybody's ego takes a shot on this show. This is Rutledge and Hamilton with Jim Rutledge and Matt Hamilton, presented by Coors Light on 100.5 ESPN. They didn't win. It's bottom line to me. You got all those things, all those things suggest you got the best team. And you didn't win. You, you won once with Giannis. You got to do better than that. Broadcasting live from the ESPN Madison studio with Matt Hamilton, here's Jim Rutledge. Mike Wilbon coming at the Milwaukee Bucks on Get Up this morning. He's Alex Strofe. I'm Jim Rutledge. This is Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light. Hamilton will be back on Monday, I guess, unless they get to the finals. Then he wouldn't be? He'll be traveling. He doesn't know for sure then. Okay. I'm glad I'm in the loop on this stuff, man. You're welcome. 844-770-3776. How you get to the show? Who do you want to coach the Milwaukee Bucks going forward? A very important window for the Milwaukee Bucks, and I want to reset with that. And this is Rutledge and Hamilton. We're presented by Coors Light at the Mountain Blue. You know what to do. And that's Crush Coors Light. All right. I want to hear some different uh, pieces of audio while I kind of set up where I'm getting to as far as the Bucks' new head coach and, and what I have as parameters. And then we can kind of figure out who it should be. But I want to first start with uh, Woj talking about who could be the next head coach for the Milwaukee Bucks. And this was on the NBA pregame show yesterday. I think, but for Milwaukee now is the hard part. Right. Who is next? You certainly look on their own staff. Charles Lee, who's their top assistant. He's been a candidate for a number of jobs around the league. Future head coach in the league. But outside of the team, I think you look not just at coaches who are available in the marketplace, but Milwaukee's in a position where maybe they could wait on some coaches who are technically not available, Mm. still under contract with other teams. See how these playoffs play out. Is there a coach or two who either becomes free with the team they're at or there's a conversation to be had with a team about a potential coach. And that's the part I think could be interesting to a lot of people out there, mostly obviously us Bucks fans here. He, being Adrian Wojnarowski, hinted that maybe the Bucks would go after someone who is currently on a staff who is not available to be interviewed or take a job anytime really soon, but still has the opportunity uh, as soon as they're knocked from the playoffs to take that job. So as we roll through this and we look out west, I don't think Malone from Denver would pop available, but Denver is kind of cheap, and maybe they'd want to move off their coach just for because they're cheap and they want to do something uh, that could allow them to reset their roster. Jimmy, they're going to win the title this year. They very well could. So I doubt it happens. I yeah, agree with you. Yeah. But, like, man, Golden State gets to Denver. I, I'll, I'll take the champion. Really? Absolutely. If they get by the Lakers, uh, what, what's not to like? I mean, Golden State's issue this year was they were injured all year. Yeah. I don't know if they get all the way there, but... I think they beat the Lakers, but... We'll see. I don't know. They were weren't they atrocious on the road all year? And I know they still won last night, but uh, the Warriors, yes. But historically, I mean, in the last game they played on the road, Steph put up fifty on the road in Game Seven. That's a good point. They get their champions. So let's set aside Denver, Lakers. Darvin Ham's not going anywhere. Now you look at. And I want to come back to the Warriors, but now you look at out east. And you go to Boston. They're not pulling the new Boston coach. That's not going to happen. There's, there's no, no reason to pull yeah. that. And then you you look, what? Thibs isn't going anywhere. Spolster's not going anywhere. No. 
I don't think there's any high-level assistance. Like, I, again, I don't the want The only one that really makes sense to me as a head coach is Doc Rivers. Well, there's one other name that I poo-pooed earlier, but I do like it a little bit more. So Doc Rivers is one name. Yep. Absolutely. Doc Rivers, head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, has got the pelts on the wall, has got one title, has been in Eastern Conference, won over 1,000 NBA games, won over 200 NBA playoff games. Which, but that, by the way, is a wild stat. Yeah, and he's, he's also... I don't know if he's that. I don't think he won a title as a player, but played on some really great teams and was very much in like the hall of very good players. Yeah, and a point guard, so you love that mentality as well. And how much longer he wants to coach, I don't know, but that doesn't matter. I think he's at his best when he hires when he has good assistants. I mean, when he was in Boston, Thibs was his basically defensive coordinator, and then they won titles. But he was the one. What I like about Doc is he creates culture. The question I have, and we don't know the answer to it, when he was in Boston, he had this culture with Rajon Rondo, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, all difficult personalities, but all think put winning and old school basketball first. Mm-hmm. The Clippers, Chris Paul was that guy, but Blake and DeAndre have proven over time when they went to other teams really weren't necessarily maybe winners. I mean, Blake left Clippers still in his prime and didn't do much afterwards. Now, injuries ate it alive. And then DeAndre Jordan, same thing, but... I think there, there's a lot of guys who can play really good basketball that don't maybe necessarily fit that full-on, I need to be one of the big three to be a culture setter. Brooke Lopez? Brooke Lopez is one of those guys, I would say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I'm, saying that, like, but I'm saying that like Blake and DeAndre were very good basketball players. I don't know if they were to the, They were not. I know they were not to the KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce level of player and winner. And so now you go to Philly. Joel Embiid is oft injured in the playoffs and is a little bit of a, a flighty... I don't. I like Joel Embiid as a person, but he's not like an all-Mr. Basketball guy. Same with James Harden. So is the question is, is Doc Rivers maximizing their abilities with how much commitment they give to basketball, or is he underachieving? We don't know the answer on that. We don't know if someone else came in. They are winning, and it, I think it's really disingenuous to say anyone can win with a bunch of great players because there's a lot of coaches that couldn't do it with great players. They got run out of there and they didn't pull it off. There's a the Houston Rockets assembled a team with Charles Barkley and Clyde Drexler and Scottie Pippen. They couldn't get it done. There's been these attempts at big threes and putting all these personalities. The Lakers had some runs together with some great players that didn't get it done. It's not as easy as it seems. It's easier than trying to win. It's not impossible. Like if you're Orlando, you're not winning a title no matter who your coach is. Mm. But it's not as it's not just oh plug and play we go win a title. So I'm just not discounting everything that Doc has done. That's all. I, I would say that Doc to me is right up there with Nick Nurse as far as a hire that would have me excited. But when we're focusing on coaches who are still coaching, if you set aside the head coach, what's my favorite team? The Chicago Bulls. What's my favorite team playing that actually plays good basketball? Golden State Warriors. And their lead assistant, who replaced Mike Brown, is Kenny Atkinson. If I wanted a culture to be set, I'd want to pull someone from Golden State. Mike Brown took Sacramento from crap to the playoffs, a three seed. Now, they lost in seven to, I mean, one of the greatest organizations and group of guys ever assembled to win titles, Mm -hmm. the Warriors. But Mike Brown had to reset. Mike Brown was fired, much like Budenholzer, by the Cleveland Browns when they lost in the second round with LeBron. And he got his restart with the Warriors. Kenny Atkinson was fired in Brooklyn when he was let go uh, in, in New York because, or excuse me, New Jersey, then Brooklyn from the uh, Kyrie Durant 
Kingdom coming in. So you could sell it, Kenny Atkinson. That that Golden State aura could be worthwhile. Yeah, it's interesting. And he's coached before. He hasn't won a title. That's my big knock against him. But he's coached for a, a decent oh, amount of time. He's never won a playoff series as a head coach. He lost the only uh, as a head yeah, coach the only series won. he was in. Yeah, so I mean that's a little tough. All right, uh, but uh, obviously when you're winning 20, 28 games, 28 games twice uh, in four seasons as a head coach, so 20, 28, 42, then 28. Yep. Uh, and, and I think they were the eighth seed in, in 2018-19, and they lost in the first round. So I, I don't know. I, I, again, like I said earlier when you brought him up, I really don't know enough about him. It's, the Warriors tie is, of course, appealing, right? Why wouldn't it be? That's the, that's the dynasty of the last decade plus. Uh, uh, is the Golden State Warriors. They are, no pun intended, the gold standard right now of, of NBA teams, right? They're the Sa- San Antonio of a decade ago. They're the Los Angeles and Chicago of a decade before that. So I get that, and I understand the appeal. I just don't know enough about them. And, and when you look at guys that have been successful head coaches, there's just a better name on the market. Nick Nurse is the better name on the market. And I think that is the sexy, everybody would be excited about that hire. Kenny Atkinson coached with Bud, I believe, in Atlanta as an assistant coach, and then took over for Brooklyn. I agree with you uh, as far as what Kenny Atkinson is lacking. But if Nick Nurse doesn't excite you, and some, there seems to be a mixed bag on it, is he just a different bootenholzer? For sure. Atkinson would fall into the category, to me, I would put it like, I'm going Doc and Nick Nurse because I know they've won. I don't want any part of Frank Vogel. I'd put Kenny Atkinson and Becky Hammond in a different category of they've coached, they know how to, to lead a locker room, and they've won, and they've been around winners, because Atkinson's been in Golden State for two years, so he won a title last year, mm-hmm. and has been around other, you know, was, was around the Clippers a little bit with Tyrone Lue. He's been around some good coaches and is a very highly thought of guy and still only 55 years old. So I'd put Atkinson and, and Hammond in that, and then I'd start going Lee or Cassell and others. So if I'm doing it, that's how I'd break it down. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think this is going to be a long process. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think this is something we're reacting to next week. All right, so it's May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Who's the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks next season? I think it's Nick Nurse. I'm going to just lean into Woj seemed to really want to say something about the fact that it could be someone who's coaching. Yeah, that was interesting. So man. I'm going to say it's either Doc or Kenny Atkinson. I think those are both good picks. Doc, Doc I think Doc would get people excited. It, Especially with the Marquette, with so. the Marquette ties. Well. Yes, but you don't need to write. I mean, like, let's not write off Doc, and I, I just hate it. Like, it's so easy He's to a win 1,000 NBA games and 200 playoff that, games. That, but th- that statistic specifically, the 200-plus playoff games he's won, the most you can win in a postseason is 16 games. Right. That tells you how many times he's been there. And he's look, I think he's like a 52% winning percentage in the playoffs, which is that's actually hard in the playoffs. To yeah, be, no doubt. Uh, to be a winner in the playoffs. Like, it's because you most of the time you're out. And, you know, you lose series and it's one you're down. And each time it goes through, Wolosheim, before we let you go, who's going to be the, or not let you go, but who we get to, before we get the break, who, see are you, uh, who are you going to Oh, with? see you guys. Yeah. yeah. See um, my head coach pick, I kind of like the doc idea. I think it just. It needs a different vibe. It needs a different energy. I don't know how well he would mesh with Giannis because it comes down to who does Giannis want because whoever he wants is going to get the job at the end of the day. And like you said, he has the option coming up after two seasons. If they have one off season coming up, like that's not much time left to land the plane of keeping him in Milwaukee. I'll tell you point. what, though. Giannis sits down with Doc. I feel like Doc 
you get excited to play with. No, them. I, I, I for sure think that would be an instant culture hire and an exciting hire. I think it re-energizes the players. I think Doc would be a good move overall. This is Rutledge and Hamilton. We'll throw some stones next. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. The mountains are blue, and we can prove it. Follow the show on Twitter at Jim and Matt. Informal poll around the office has not given us a real answer there. As far as half the office, I think, said Kenny Atkinson. The other half said Doc Rivers. As far as who would you want? We're asking that question because Adrian Wojnarowski uh, yesterday on the pregame show. Let's hear the shorter clip of it, and then I'll lead you uh, into why we came to this conclusion. Coaches who are available in the marketplace. But Milwaukee's in a position where maybe they could wait on some coaches who are technically not available. See how these playoffs play out. Is there a coach or two who either becomes free with the team they're at or there's a conversation to be had with a team about a potential coach? So my, my reaction to him saying that, Woj, who obviously knows more than literally anybody else on planet Earth about all 30 NBA teams, I don't think he was given a quote or an a scoop from somebody that was like, hey, we're going to go after somebody in the playoffs. I think he is saying that because obviously the Bucks are still a team with championship expectations with a very rare head coach opening. So they want to make a home run hire, rightfully so, right? This is not a, all right, let's bring in a new coach, kind of Matt LaFleur style, right, like they did in 2019. It might take a few years, but we're going to figure it out. Or 2018 when he was hired, excuse me. Uh, no, 2019 season. But anyway, regardless, you get my point. I, I think he's just saying that. I don't think that's any insight. Yeah, to but what no, the you Bucks take it out of do. context. He made a point. He was kind of being pushed out, and then he made a point to say this. It had very much of that statement. So it had very much of. I didn't hear that. I watched it live. Like when it happens, he, they were kind of like, all right. And he goes, and then he says, let me say this. So it was kind of like, we're going to see you later, Woj. And then he wanted to make sure to say. So I don't think there's a name, but I do think. The Bucks don't have someone in mind, and I do think there's someone out there that they're at least maybe holding out hope well, could land there. They're going to do their due diligence. And it could be Darvin Ham. But when I hear that and the way it was presented, it kind of gives a vibe that he made a point to say it. He went out of his way to say that, which means there's something there that he's not directly reporting, but that is at least holding some sort of water. This is Rutledge Hamilton presented by Coors Light. Let's throw some stones. The guys live in glass houses, but that's never stopped them before. I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. It's time to throw some stones. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? On Rutledge and Hamilton, brought to you by Metro Kia Madison, Madison's trusted Kia dealership. So, guys, each and every day, I waste a lot of time, sometimes on the toilet in the bathroom, scrolling Twitter, and it leaves me with a lot more questions than answers. So, instead of answering those questions myself, I'll bring them to Jim and Strofe, looking for answers. I'll scroll our answers throughout, and at the end, we will crown a winner of Throwing Stones. So, I've been talking a lot about the Bucks, what they might do moving forward. The name been floated out there by one Mark Tauscher has been Damian Lillard, Dame Dalla, out in Portland, but Dame... Dame, 21 hours ago, just a couple hours after Mike Boonehoser was fired, tweeted out, folks out here firing championship coaches as soon as they don't win the chip, dot, dot, dot. 
So guys, what do you think firing Mike Budenholzer does for the Bucks' chances to attract free agents this offseason? Jim, I'll start with you. Uh, it won't hurt anything. One, they have no free agents to attract. They have no money to spend. Correct. So if anything, it's being pulled off via trade. And this is why it's important who you're bringing. If you're bringing in Doc or Nick Nurse or maybe even a Kenny Atkinson and probably Becky Hammond, those are names that players are going to respect and want to play for. Those are names that are tied to uh, great assistants or have done some stuff in the NBA. So that won't affect trying to bring someone in. Dame saying that doesn't affect the Bucks' chances of getting Dame because they have no assets to get Dame. They have nothing. It was, Portland's not going to trade away Dame to get old-ass Chris Middleton. He was a good player, but they're not going to say, hey, let's move on from our star who's getting a little old to an older player who's not as good. And the Bucks have no draft picks to trade. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the only comeback on Dame Lillard I could say is what if they hire a championship coach, right? Like like Nick Nurse. And your your point, Chris Middleton is younger than Damian Lillard, so I, I don't know why you're referring to him as, as an old ass. You watch Dame him play. Lillard, he play. like He's old and well, injured. He's just hurt. He's, he's hurt. Two he's years not, in a row. Yeah, but he's, he's a year younger than Damian Lillard. So yeah, watch him play. Do they play as... Do you watch they play them different play. positions. There's nowhere You're completely different body types. Right. One guy looks spry and young and athletic and can put up 50 in a game carrying an entire team, and Chris Middleton can't finish the season the last two years. Well, he wouldn't need to he carry is a team. He is NBA old. There's my pitch to Dame. You don't need to carry a team it's anymore, buddy. Old. There's no, there's no, there's not a world that Chris Middleton is getting remotely involved in a trade that goes out to Portland because Portland doesn't want it. No, it'd be Drew Holiday, probably. Then they don't want Drew Holiday either. What if they want? What about both? Still don't. Why would they want him? Why would they want those two? Because when you have Damon a star, you get 32 year old Drew is he Holiday. A free agent? No, he's under contract. He's about going to be a $60 million cap hit next year, oh, I think. Oh, jeez. Yeah, never mind. Disregard everything I said. Not happening. Well, it wasn't going to happen regardless. Right. But. Yes. Not happening. True. It's not going to happen. And something else might not happen. A uh, report is that Tom Brady might quit his new 10-year, $375 million deal with Fox Sports. That's from Andrew Andrew Marchand at the New York Post. He says that right now Brady is at least 51% more likely to walk away from his Fox deal before it starts, adding that it's, quote, fluctuating. So, guys, what do you think about Tom Brady bowing out on this 10-year mega deal, which is, I believe, more than he ever made as a player. I, I saw this right when we signed on the air, Ryan, which I assume you have not seen. Tom Brady responded to Andrew Marchand, oh, and no. all he said, two words, eight letters, fake news. So Brady will, uh, it sounds like, be in the booth in 24. But I wouldn't blame him. I read that article last night too, Ryan, and I thought it was interesting. 51%, 49%. I thought those were, uh, you know, a choice of numbers nonetheless. But, yeah, I, I I think he'll still do it, and I think he'll be really good at it. But it gives us another year. Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart in booth number one for Fox, which I can appreciate. Yeah, uh, Olsen is a revelation in there, and I think that'll be good. But, yeah, I don't see Tom Brady not taking that money. At best, Tom Brady adjusts something. Like, this is the same Tom Brady who said I wasn't retired, and then when he got scooped by Schefter, then he said he was going to retire and then came back. So, and we all know fake news is about as fake as the people who say it. So, that would be my uh, retort to that. Not a Tom Brady guy? Not a f- fan of anyone who says fake news. Well, fair enough. I should probably vet that news a little harder next time. Tough when uh, it, just, it, get, it just came out. It gets shot yeah. down right before I bring it up on the show. But uh, the last thing that I saw in the last 24 hours was that, I don't know if you guys are aware, but the Screenwriters Guild of America is currently on strike, yep. mm-hmm. which means a lot of shows and movies that are in production don't have writers to write the scripts. So apparently multiple studios are exploring using AI to generate scripts based on books and other public domain scripts. Good luck. The studios reportedly plan to hire writers to rewrite those AI scripts 
once the writer's strike ends. So, Jim, I'll start with you. What do you think about movie scripts written by robots? I saw a great line, not surprisingly, on the strike line that said, uh, chat GBT doesn't have my childhood trauma. So uh, <laughs> that was uh, written by a, a writer who was on strike that was on their uh, little cards. If you want a good time, go look on social media and read the cards, the picket line cards that the writers are holding up. They're all very clever. Um, yeah, you, you're taking the humanity out of it. But here's the other part to it. As of now, actors and directors and those guilds are sticking with the writers. And so if they all stick together, the studios are done. And I'll say this, in this streaming world... The writers are correct here, and that's why most people are with them, because what I've picked up anecdotally is that for a show that's rebroadcast, you write a show, each time it's broadcast over the air, you get like $3,000 for it as a writer. Royalties, yeah. Right, and you, but you don't you don't get a set salary, you don't get necessarily benefits unless you're part of like the union and all these other things, and so it's a gig economy. But when it's rebroadcast, like Abbott Elementary has getting like 7 million uh, views, and I think you get one flat fee of 800 bucks. Yes, and so yes. the studios have gotten in front of this technology as far as streaming and then pocketed all the extra cash, purposely leaving out the writers. And I don't care who you are, that's messed up. You guys know I love me some chat GPT, and I always have it up. So I just asked chat oh, GPT two questions in regards to this question, and I will I will make it quick for you. The first question I asked chat GPT is, do you have the ability to write a funny movie script better than a human? And essentially the answer they gave me was that is subjective, but I am capable of writing a, a movie script with humor. And then uh, referenced expertise. Um, so then I asked the follow-up question, do you have the expertise of an experienced script writer? And they said that you know I, they've been trained on a large corpus of text including scripts while i can generate text that follows the patterns and scriptures of script or structure of scripts i do not have the same level of expertise as an experienced script writer who has spent many years developing their craft and honing their skills so chat gpt just admitted to me that it is not as good as a script writer so i think that's a bunch of bologna sausage yeah it's not a great endorsement from chat bt about chat gpt yeah. can really can really program that thing to Kind of hit itself in the face. It's fascinating, though, man. I've played a, I've played around with ChatGPT a lot in, in different AIs. We talked about this the other day. It, they're fascinating to me. But no, to write a to write a movie script, you're not going to get real humor, or raunchy humor, or the childhood trauma. I mean, that's real, right? Life experience plays into script writing, which I kind of studied studied in school. So, I mean, I get it. I was no good at it by any means, but I got a degree. So there we go. Well, I will say you might have studied that in school, but you can't outsource your answers on throwing stones. I gotta give it to Jim again. You can't you can't just go for your answers to Chat GPT. It's not even you. That's called investigative journalism. I, investigative I, I, it sounds like outsourcing. I, I, I'm quoting them. You're like the studio. I'm not outsourcing. I got I got Chat GPT you got to call quotes. himself fraud. You're a scab. I'm a scab. That, yeah. I thought that was a creative yeah. answer. No. I Someone who crosses the, the picket I went line. straight to the source. This is why I think you got I think you got swept this week. I did. Yeah. Loser. I this is Roger Hamilton days. presented by Coors Light. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light. Miss any of the show? Find full show podcasts free on Wisconsin On Demand and wherever you get your podcasts. Come on, swing. to uh, put a shirt back on when this song comes on. But I'll tell you what, I look good with my shirt off now, thanks to the friends at Carbon World Health. That was I, good. 
I take the uh, semi-glutide over there, and you should see if it's right for you. They have some great May specials going on. You can check it out on their Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you also can go to CarbonWorldHealth.com. But uh, semi-glutide is a FDA-approved weight loss treatment, and it will help you burn fat, not muscle. And it's helped me drop about 26 pounds, drop my body, perfect, uh, body fat percentage basically in half. And it's part of me working out there. The training there, team is there uh, is fantastic, but then also semi-glutide really makes a difference. He's Alex Strofe. I am Jim Rutledge. This is Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light. And uh, we've been kind of all over the place a little bit here, but mainly around the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Getting to the Green Bay Packers. Away we go. Sean Clifford gets Aaron Rodgers' locker. Yeah, and his number in New York. And his number in New York. And maybe there'll be some story that Sean Clifford's got some sort of Zach Wilson sort of uh, connection to Aaron Rodgers, and that's why they had to, the Packers had to make sure that they got Sean Clifford. No, that ain't it. No? Uh, no, it's just Goody not being a very good quarterback evaluator, right? And, you know, I, I, Sean Clifford was fine in college. He, had a, he got a ton of experience. He started all four years at Penn State. So that was probably the only appeal. It just reminds me of, like, the whole bunch of mums. From, uh, yeah, and and you know he had a, he had a great wide receiver last year, not this past season, but the year prior, and Jahan Dotson, who's in Washington now. But yeah, I, I I still don't get that pick a week removed. That one that one made the least sense to me. The kicker didn't make a ton of sense to me either because it wasn't the best kicker in the draft, and they drafted one in the fifth round. But both of those picks, Sean Clifford and the kicker, they're arrogance picks where they feel like these guys are gonna be so good it doesn't matter where we pick well, them. Well, the kicker yeah. they needed to fill a hole, right? Because Crosby's but not coming back. You're right; he was not viewed as the top kicker. In the, I mean, the top he kicker was already it was taken. Jake, it was Jake Moody. Is that his name? Jake Moody. Did I get that right? All right, from Michigan. Yeah. Yes, the yeah. one San Francisco's drafted. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he was terrific in the college football playoff. He, he nailed like several forty. He yards. nailed a big field goal at the end of yeah. the Michigan game when Illinois just squeaked by them. Twenty nineteen, so, I think, was final okay. score. Eight four four seven seven zero thirty seven seventy six. Do you think it's ever good to draft a kicker? No. I, I, I think with few and look, I do a show every Monday with with a with a punter who was drafted in Brad Norman, right? So I love my specialists. But it's not worth it. It's never worth it. Yeah, I agree. Was Adam Vinatieri drafted? That would be my question. The greatest kicker of all time is Adam Vinatieri. Was he drafted? If he was drafted, then maybe I'll give it to you. Then I, I do will not say, believe he was drafted. In, in rare circumstances, I, right I will say it was worth it. Undrafted free agent. Yeah. So then, no. The greatest kicker of all time wasn't drafted. Mason Crosby wasn't drafted, if I'm not mistaken, right? The all-time leader in points for the Green Bay Packers. So I, I, I think it's rarely, if ever, worth it. I mean, if there was an absolute dog of a kicker in the draft. Like, I think Jake Moody out of Michigan, who was drafted in San Francisco. Robbie Gold, undrafted. Yeah, right. And he was, I mean, he had a really long career, 20 years. He ended a lot of Packers seasons. Yeah, he did. He did. What Uh, about uh, Goskowski? Remember him from the Patriots? He's the one who took over after Vinatieri. He was really good for a long time. Jankowski was drafted, and he was not Janikowski was a second-round pick, right? And Robbie Gold, I would say, is a better kicker than Sebastian Janikowski. Sebastian yeah. Janikowski was a second-round pick? I, believe I so. love yes. Sebastian Janikowski. Um, Josh McDaniels. Or no, Josh McDaniels or John Gruden drafted him when they were the head coach of the, the Raiders. Adam Madison chimes in and says Evan McPherson was worth it. Yep, that's true for Cincinnati. That's, that's early absolutely returns. fair. Hard to say. But, but he was terrific in that in that year they in made that, the Super in the Bowl. Playoff and he was a rookie. He mean, and he, and he, I don't he know broke when every he, record. Uh, by the way, Sebastian Janikowski was a first-round pick. He was picked number 17 overall as yeah, a kicker. Definitely not worth it, though. I, I did not know that. I mean, he had a great career, but he played 19 years in the NFL. But a first-round pick, that's bananas. That's bananas. So, no, I, I would say generally no. 
unless um, and maybe he'll make me crow and I'd, I'd be happy with that Carlson who they drafted uh, the kicker but that's that's bananas so anyway as, as I'm running through some of these I'm sorry no I was asking this question is it worthwhile Jason Hansen Nate Kading uh, Mike uh, Nugent I'm just listing off of uh, some kickers who I've heard of who are drafted and it's not it's not a pretty great list there even a seventh rounder I mean I'm fine sixth seventh round go ahead and do it but in general. It's a tough. It's a tough sell for me. You know where the conversation really probably should start and end. Justin Tucker was undrafted, yeah. and he is arguably the greatest kicker of all time. Uh, he will be. I mean, obviously, doesn't have the rings of Vinatieri, but I mean, he, in terms Do of rings an actual matter leg for power, a kicker, though, like really, no, no, no. no. but that's, it's that's his it. accuracy and leg power. Leg power, he's right. like perfect. Out of all right, Texas. I want to do another tune of time to see if you've heard of these guys who have been drafted. I have a this list what, here. This is what we're doing on a Friday. Yeah, draft history. Have you heard of these kickers? Drafthistory.com. Like I'm going to run it through. You tell me if you've heard of these kickers. Who were drafted in the NFL draft? All right, happy if Friday. Like it, we're gonna do it right. twice. All right. If you dislike it, swipe left. It's Tinder time. All right, we're gonna start very easy. Jake Moody. I've obviously heard of Jake Moody. Uh, Chad Ryland. Was that this year? Yep. <laughs> That's the only reason I know that name. Obviously, Anders Carlson. Cade York. Yep. Cleveland. Fourth round pick last year for Cleveland, and Evan McPherson. Cincinnati. Twenty one. Justin Rohrwasser. No clue who that is. Fifth round pick by the Patriots who just picked a kicker again this year in the fourth round. So that one did not work out. Uh, Tyler Bass. Yep. Buffalo. Sam Sloman. Sloman, I know that name, but I don't know what team. Seventh round pick from the Rams. Rams. Austin Seibert. Nope. Fifth round pick. Sieber. 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 Yes, Yes. I have heard of him. Dan Carlson. Yep, of course. Vegas. Jason Sanders. Yeah. Philadelphia. Jake Elliott. Philadelphia. Yep. Ha- friend of show, Jake Elliott. Dolphins with Sanders. Uh, That's right. As far as the draft. Zane Gonzalez. Yes. Know who Zane Gonzalez is. Team, I'm going to blank on, though. Panthers? Browns. Oh. But here's the problem. The Browns have had two court, uh, kickers they have picked. The Bengals are the ones that took Jake Elliott. So the Bengals have had two kickers drafted. Jake Elliott was drafted by the Bengals. That's what I see right here. Wow. So the Patriots have drafted two kickers. The Browns have actually drafted three kickers. The Bengals have drafted two. So these teams drafting kickers are constantly coming back into it to draft kickers. Roberto Aguayo. I don't know if I'm saying that one right. He was a second-round pick from the Bucks. He was terrible. I remember him out of the league, I think, within two years. I don't know years. who that is. Chicago gave him a run after they cut Robbie Gold and they couldn't find a kicker. Yeah, I don't they know gave who that him is. a run. Uh, Harrison Buckker. Yeah, of course, Kansas City. Nate Freeze. He was nope. drafted by the Panthers, by the way. Wow. So these guys don't even make their living with the teams they're drafted by, which is wild to me. Because all the guys I've named, Jake Elliott yeah. Yeah. And, and now uh, Butker, they made their money and I mean, they made their careers, right? I know who these guys are with other teams that didn't draft them. Yep. So it's just proving my point. You shouldn't draft the kicker. All right, a couple more. Nate Freeze. I don't know who that is. Caleb Sturgis. Uh, no, I don't know. Dustin think so. Hopkins. Know who that is? Randy Bullock. Know who that is? Greg Zerline. Yeah, of course. Blair Greg Walsh. Yeah, Blair. John Potter. Wide left. Uh, who, who's that? John Potter. No idea who that is. Alex Henry. Nope. Matt Bosher. Nope. Dave Bueller. <laughs> nope. Ryan uh, Suckup. You know that yeah, one. Yeah, I know Suckup. Yep. Uh, Taylor Melhoff. Yeah, of course. Wisconsin. Uh, Brandon Corto. Where did Melhoff get drafted? Sixth round to the Saints. Okay. Justin Medlock. No. Nick Folk. Yeah, of course. Mason Crosby. He was drafted. Yep. Sixth rounder. Oh. Well, that one worked out all right. And then you start getting deep. So, again, these don't work out that well, at least for the team. Well, Crosby's one of the best names on that list. He played his entire career in one spot. Assuming he's done. I mean, we don't know if he's retired yet. But But I I agree. That means you probably, and I also want to know how many of those you know just from, like, 
playing either fantasy or Madden, that the names just might be in your Hey, you like kind of a little bit too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but here's a, here's a good one from Zach on the text line. How high would you draft Justin Tucker, knowing what you're getting? If he was in the draft this year, how high would you get him? I'd I'd spend a second round pick on him. I'd take oh, I'd fit. I'd say third round, third yeah. round, day two, but not second round. It depends on your team too. Like if I'm the Chiefs, I don't need Justin Tucker. That's fair. Well, uh, you, need, you need somebody to make those extra points. There's so many guys, a lot of them. There's so many kickers who are undrafted who are really right. damn Vinatieri good. was my was why I brought him up. Yeah, well, again, Robbie Gold will probably be in the Bears Hall of Fame. Can I ask you oh, about yeah. one, Jim? Yeah. Do you know where Cody Parkey was drafted? Was he drafted? I don't know. I'm curious. I think. No, I don't think so. I can't, again, maybe people want Cody Parkey to stick more with me than it does, but it doesn't. That didn't break your heart? No. It probably did at the time. No, because there were other mistakes in that game. They just obviously. weren't going anywhere, though. Like, so it's it stunk, but it wasn't like they that stopped you the Super Bowl. You didn't see them winning run. a Super Bowl. Uh, he, he, was, he was not drafted first off, went to Auburn, and uh, second off, he is not in the league. Also, the bigger issue I had with him is then he went on like the Today Show and all this other stuff about how he's overcoming it, and that was obnoxious. And that I will obnoxious. say, um, for those of you that aren't familiar with the double doink yeah, kick, double yes. Doink, yeah. But that team. Honestly, Cody Parker missing that kick probably got him out of Matt Nagy a year early. Matt Nagy wins a playoff game there. They might keep him around a little longer. You could argue they still should have fired him a year earlier right. than they did. Right, but it, and partially because they made the playoffs, they had to keep him around a little bit because they had that one good season to start. They get a playoff win in there, now it's even harder to move off of them. And it was really Vic Fangio who got them there, to be honest, yep. the defensive coordinator. Absolutely, yeah. So, he left, the team fell apart. Yep. Yeah. And then he became a bad head coach with the Broncos. Well, he's not a good head coach. He's a good coordinator. We can see it all the time. Just ask Wisconsin. Paul Christ. Jamie, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a reason to feel optimistic about the Packers to wrap up the week. Okay. Are you doing that next? Is this a tease? Or that's exactly what that was. Bad tease to wrap up the week. That would be the last segment of the week. Uh, Then just take it to break. Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton presented by Coors Light. The mountains are blue, and we can prove it. Follow the show on Twitter at Jim and Matt. training for that day and i downed a lot of donuts little chocolate donuts they taste good and they've got the sugar i need to get me going in the morning great reference what is that from jimmy what is that from that is John Belushi and Saturday Night Live. What's the name of the, on the YouTube, what do they call it? Uh, Little Chocolate Donuts SNL. <laughs> yeah, so it's a skit about him being a overweight Olympic athlete, and he's like smoking cigs yep, and eating yep. chocolate donuts while he's like running track and field. Sounds like the dream, man. Sounds like the dream. All right, it's Rutledge and Hamilton. We need Alex to put Matt Stroke, Hamilton's Jim face Rutledge. on that video. Yeah, it sounds like someone we, we might kind of know, actually, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Up in Canada. Yeah, a little bit. Just sub out donuts for Coors Light. I'm optimistic about the Packers. I've talked myself into it. Okay. Here's why. It's a backfield, man. I think they, they realized the mistakes they made a year ago. You know how many games they would have won last year? They would have been a playoff team if they correctly utilized the backfield of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They're not going to make that mistake this year. And that will open it up for Jordan Love. And I think Jordan Love is going to find some sort of magical connection in year one with somebody. Probably Christian Watson, but it could be anybody else. It could be a wild card. It could be Jaden Reed. Who knows? So I think... Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are both going to have 1,000-yard seasons. I don't disagree with you on that. And I think it's just going to open things. It's going to make things easier for him, especially early. And then later in the year, Jordan Love's 
gonna show us what he really is. I'm I'm becoming optimistic, which is a bad thing because it's only May. But I I just thought about okay, what could possibly make this team good? A, I think the defense will be better than we expect. And not last year expectations where everybody's coming on here and saying, yeah, they're going to be a top five defense, no problem. But I think they'll be like a top 12 defense as long as Joe Barry doesn't show how incompetent he is. So which, you're telling me there's a chance. I, that's pretty much what I'm doing right now, yes. That's exactly what I'm doing right now. And then the backfield. Like, I, we forget about that. Because I, I've spent all week complaining you know, about how there's a lack of weapons around Jordan Love. There's two really good weapons behind him. And if they utilize that offense correctly, and all we heard about when Matt LaFleur was hired is that he's an offensive genius in terms of ingenuity. Yeah, I mean, he led, like, what, the 25th-ranked offense to Tennessee before he came here? Yeah, but he also was in Atlanta the year Matt Ryan won the he wasn't. He was the QB coach. Yep. Shanahan was calling the plays. Yeah, and Matt Ryan won the MVP when Matt LaFleur was the QB coach. And Shanahan was calling the plays. Yeah, but his direct coordinator, or coach, rather, all won right. the MVP. I'm just saying. We've heard all about his offensive ingenuity. This is the first year he's really going to be able to prove that. And then you have two uh, the two-headed monster in the backfield. No longer the best in the NFL, I don't think. I think I would take Kamara and Jamal Williams over them. I don't know. Kamara can't stay healthy, though. That's true. But if he does. I would say uh, I'd have to think about who the best backfield is. I don't know. That that's It's tough. There's a lot of really good duos. Yeah, there and is. There Aaron is. Jones, A.J. Dillon. It's it's up there though. No it's doubt. up there, top five. And, and, but anyway, I, I was thinking, Fields I was just, back there with him. I, I yeah, was, yeah, was, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Roshan uh, Johnson, no. <laughs> yeah, right. Lamar Jackson, same thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I was thinking about this last night. You know me, just staying up late, thinking about the Packers, the usual. And I I'm talking myself into this team can win nine games and make the playoffs. I'm talking myself into it. Seven and a half is what Vegas has, which is shocking to me. The over under, which we talked about yesterday. I, I'm talking myself into nine wins. It's only May fifth. This is going to be 12 wins by the end of the offseason. Your wins aren't going to be easy. You could do nine wins, but that's the problem. Your nine wins are eking out nine wins, which means you have no March of Aris. That could be seven. Because here's the thing, and I'm not saying all this could be true, but when you're running the football, it takes you more time to score. And I, I know this because this was Chicago set records across the league as far as rushing yards, yards per carry, and all that, and put up a lot of points running the football. Yeah. Still didn't win a lot of games. Totally. It's hard to win games when you have to grind out possessions, when you don't have big hits, and when you don't have an offense. Defensively, when you're facing the Packers, you're not going to care about the ball being put in the air. So you're going to put more people in the box than you normally did against Aaron Rodgers. And so that could affect Aaron Jones' full ability to be great. Uh, More carries for Jones and Dylan, more opportunity to get worn out. Less opportunities to be creative. Hey, your team gets down. I'm just. Fl- I'm just giving. Come on, I'm just giving you the. I'm just giving you the flip side. The defense. If you get if you get down, if your team if you get down ten nothing, thirteen nothing, you now can't run your offense. And I'm just because I I know this because I've seen it. Yeah, you, know, you, you you are right about that. But now the one thing I would say that I would suggest is this I, positive. It is positive. Yes, let's go. And I'll on, give a man. suggestion here. Your best chance, I think, is to try to follow. Obviously. Um, love is in fields, but remember when Chicago was even down to Green Bay, they kept on running. Yeah, and they got at Lambeau Field week one, touchdown or not, it looked like a touchdown to me. But they got to the point where if that was considered a touchdown, that fourth down sneak from Justin uh, Justin Fields, they were within one score in the fourth quarter. Week two, right? Was it week two? Yeah, yeah they so played Minnesota. You're right. One, so yeah. week two, they got down to the goal line. It was fifty fifty. Was it a touchdown or not? If they get that called the right way, I think. The Bears don't win, but they're only down a score in the fourth quarter, and they did not waver from their game plan of running the football over and over again. So if I was going to do it to protect Jordan Love and allow him to grow, and not saying wins be damned, but if I'm down 13 nothing, 
and I'm just going to go to my defense and say, buck up. We're still going to have to run. The, we're going to play our offense. We're yeah. not going to get out of. So I would say I think Coach LaFleur is smart enough because Goody was his uh, – not Goody. Uh, Getze was his QB coach, and Getze never wavered and said, no matter what the score is, we can't ask our offense to do when we don't have players to do. And so if LaFleur follows that and says, no matter what the score is, we're going to run our offense, at least – because forget wins and losses. At least she'll then have a real – Good look at what Jordan Love is. Yeah. If you lose these games and you're losing them 27 to 14, but Love's looking uh, capable and the and it's the run game is there. Maybe it's 27 to 20 or 20, whatever it is. If the offense is looking like you get it done, to me the most important thing. And I think Lafleur is, is smart enough to do this. Keep on running your offense, and if your defense doesn't do the job, then you just fire Joe Barry. Like just run your stuff to see what works. You're so right, and. You know, we talk all the time about Aaron Rodgers and the ginormous chip on his shoulder. Think about the chip Matt LaFleur's got on his shoulder. Think about the chip Jordan Love is on his shoulder, right? And I know nobody thrives on that quite like Aaron Rodgers. But I love the chances of seeing a different Matt LaFleur offense this year because we we heard all about it last offseason, right? Aaron Rodgers literally complained in a, in a public press conference about all the motions and the and the audibles that Matt LaFleur wanted to call, and, and Rodgers was furious about it in the offseason last year. Think about a guy that's actually going to want to run the offense the way it's meant to be run, and a guy that is finally, after three years of sitting, getting his opportunity. Oh, man. I'm excited. I, can it be September? Felt like Green I'm, Bay to I'm me. I'm so I want, ready I want to enjoy season. the summer, but I think you no, don't, have to, you don't have to dread the fall of like you're going to have bad football. Because no. I don't think that'll be the case. But also, if it is bad football, Wisconsin Badgers aren't going to be bad football. Yes, I agree with you on that. Bucky Bob Billion. Bucky Bob Billion. Uh, we'll, we'll have Chris Orr back. Molly Brown will be back. It'll be a heck of a late summer, early fall for us here. Oh, I can't wait for football season. Have a great weekend, Jimmy. You too. They, uh, have a great weekend, everyone else. This is Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light.